This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Tide Chasers. We have a super exciting episode for you this evening. As you could tell from the title of the season, this season has just started. Now, before we introduce our guest captain for the show, if you haven't already done so, make sure you please subscribe, like, share, and leave us a review as it helps us, our channel, out a lot. Plus, make sure you follow us on Facebook at Tide Chasers Podcast and also on Instagram at Tide underscore Chasers. Now, once again, I'm, I'm your host, Kwa, and I'll and as always, my partner will be here, my co-host, Dan Mancari. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing great, man. Great, great, great. I see this weather cleaning up. I'm I'm, I'm happy to get out there ready to roll, man. I'm good. Uh, all right, cool. Well, at this time, I'd like to uh, love to introduce our guest. He's a longtime surf caster, has many years under his belt, chasing striped bass all the way from New Jersey all the way up to Maine. And this year, he will be running charters, which he's going to explain later when, time, where he's located, how you guys can reach out to him. So make sure, once again, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you. Captain Chris Butcher of Rockfish Smarty. How you doing, buddy? What's up? Welcome. Thank you. Welcome, All Chris. Right. All right. So <clears throat> let's just cut into the nitty gritty. Chris, at what age did you start fishing? Who were your influences? And pretty much let us hear your backstory of how you got here today. All right. Here we go. Uh, I'm a little old. I'm 50. So I started fishing in the 80s, around, around 1980, 10 years old. Uh my dad always took me fishing. I grew up in Bayonne, New Jersey. So I fished the Kill Van Call and surrounding waters of Jersey City, but mostly down uh, the Kill with my bike, uh, worm and striped bass in the early 80s, which was a hard task to do to catch those back then. And uh, I fished there till I got my driver's license. And once I turned 17 in 1988, that's when I started venturing out to Sandy Hook and Raritan Bay shores and uh and that stuff so but my first striped bass was i think i was 11 at the kill van call on sandworms 36 inches i was very excited for that so i mean that's a, that's a good that's a really good first striped bass <laughs> yeah so not bad at all. it's a solid way to break into the sport that's for sure yes that's how you get hooked <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And then, uh, and that you literally turn into like a cra crazy guru of a, a surf caster from what I hear from a lot of guys locally. Yeah. Um, I fished a lot, traveled a lot, but I really fished not with a lot of people. There was no internet back then. So there right. was no way to, you know, hook up with people or unless you were there and you fish with people. So what I did in, uh, the late nineties, I joined Asbury park fishing club and, uh, I learned from the best of the best in Monmouth County from those guys and Ocean County, but mostly Monmouth County because I lived up that way. And, uh, you know, took a little while in that club to get under some of those guys' wings to give them a little, to get a little info from these people. But, uh, you know, if they take a liking to you and you definitely learn a lot from the old timers. 
Gotcha. Now that's a great club. They run a, a really good uh, show every year. Just I mean, kind of sad they, they it was canceled the past two seasons. But I'm I'm waiting for the next show this in 22. Man, they they always run a fantastic show down there every year. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I think it started probably about 15 years ago was our first show, and uh, it got bigger ever since. It was it's really good. I do a lot of help with the club uh, setting all that up and everything. So it's cool getting the plug builders and stuff like that. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, yeah, as of recently, um, you got, you know, you got, you got your boat. So now, you know, now you're catching, uh, striped bass and all, rock, you know, sea bass and tog and all that off your boat. Uh, have you, have you surfished at all when you said ever since you got your boat occasionally? Uh, yeah, I'll give you a little background, a little, uh, history. Also, I did have my captain's license back in 92. Okay. I got my captain's license and, uh, I was working for the tackle box uh, uh, with Phil Fortino and helping him run his boat and working in the store and stuff like that. But uh, two kids later and a wife in a house and uh, that charter business wasn't going to cut. I had to get a real job. So I'm an electrician uh, by trade and I still, so I got my captain's license again. I had to redo everything all over again just to get uh, going again now that I got a boat. So it's not like it's my first time being a captain. I did do it before. No. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, just dropped the boat in yes, uh, yesterday, uh, first time. And uh, I wasn't expecting big things out there, but it turned out to be big things. Uh, small bass to begin with uh, towards the back of the bay on shads. And uh, on my way back, I saw some gannets working in the middle of the bay pretty much. And uh, it was game on. It was bass pushing bunker on the surface. And uh, big metal lips got it done. You could pretty much threw anything and caught a fish uh, for a few hours. And it's nice. There's not, not a lot of boats out. So it was definitely a good uh, afternoon and great first trip. Awesome. Very nice. Hey, that's, that's just a little uh, just a little idea and reminder, guys. Uh, Captain Chris, is uh, he's giving you guys a little hint. You guys want to get on those get on those big bass early before the, the fleet gets out there? You know, hit them up. Call them, man. Um, we're going we're gonna to give you guys info a little bit later. Those fish are here now. The fleet's not out there. It makes it fun. Just imagine a whole good four, six, seven hours out there. Fire your lonesome. No, what you know, on Captain Chris's boat. Bass everywhere. There's no other boats around. And you know, like literally he just said it was a fish every cast. Now you can't get any better than that. You throw metal lips, you throw top wire, you get you're getting something. You know what I mean? That's that's that makes up for an incredible day. Yes. Uh, all right. So um I mean, what what finally made you decide to take your hobby that you love so much about striped bass fishing and turn it into a part time business? Um, I'm fishing anyway. I'm out there pretty much just as much as the charter guys. Uh, my job allows me to fish in the afternoons, and I have a very understanding wife. Um, my kids are older, college bound, so I have the time to get out there, and I'm fishing every afternoon and weekends. So I figure. Why not make a few bucks and cover the expenses and and have fun? And I love having I love taking my kids fishing. I always did, even surf fishing. So I always encourage uh, the dads and moms out there to get their kids out there and fish. Um, definitely would love to have them on my boat. I'm all about that. Yeah, Dan's the same way. Dan Dan loves taking his kids fishing. Involves them in as much fishing as he can, man. I mean, that's what makes you guys great dads, you know, including the family. Yeah. I mean, that's how we all got started. You know, our parents, our dad, you know, took us fishing, and that's why we're hooked and obsessed with it now. And then, you know, and you guys just pass it down to the generation, and then it makes it even better. Yeah, my kids uh, are un- are very fortunate to be with me in the 2010 to 2013 when those big bass were on the beach uh, every spring. Yeah. yeah and uh, my kids tagged along and we, I handed rods off. I threw metal lips out in the water. I reeled it in there catching 20, 30 pound fish. Amazing. And they thought nothing of it. You know, I, not too many kids could say they have a 30 pound bass under their belt from the surf, Definitely you know? Not. So it was crazy. Definitely Actually, not. you know, the one trip on the beach, Sean DiVincenzo, when he caught his 52 pounder, he almost hand. He actually wanted to hand his rod off to my daughter, and she's like, "No, it's too big. I don't want to reel it in." And it wound up being fifty-two pounds. Oh, man. <laughs> great story! Wow. That's that's great. And, and the best part of it is, you know what? You're passing it down to your daughters too. You know, it's in this in this industry. There's not that many female 
you know, female fishermen or anglers as we see, but you know, it's, it's great that you're passing it down to your daughters and they're totally involved and they love what you do. And you know, that that's totally awesome for us too. Yeah. On my trips, uh, I'm probably going to be running them myself, but if I do get four or five guys or some kids, I might actually have my daughter come out and work deck for me. Uh, uh-huh. she's probably one of the most knowledgeable ones. She knows my boat and you know, she's very good at that. So she might be out there with us too. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Hey, Chris, can I, I want to add something real quick. How old were your kids when you were running the, the surf with them? Um, believe it or not, uh, I have a lot of friends that will vouch for me. I had them out there at seven, eight years old, uh, maybe 10. Maybe my oldest was 10. But, uh, th- of course, they didn't really want to be there. But I'm like, listen, the bass are there. I got to go. You're coming with me. My wife was at work. And, uh, you know, th- everyone in my, in my uh, club they would keep an eye on them and they play in a stand. I keep an eye on them because I'm not far from the jetty, you know? And, uh, but yeah, they're 10, 10 years old till now, you know, they'll still go with me. Very nice. Yeah. yeah I, I look at it as kind of, uh, our kids are our legacy in this world. You know, we pass on, you know, our views, the way we view conservation and everything. And then they get to do that and spread that, that message to their friends, their, and their family down the road. So, I've always found it very important to, to pass that on with my son, for example, just like you, when I took him out on the river walleye fishing, he was four years old. He's climbing on the, the rocks and the trees behind us. Then he comes up for five minutes and slams an eight pound walleye almost. Uh, and it's like, it's like game on at that point. So that right there changed him from, you know, putzing around doing parkour in the background behind me to being, being in it. You know, it's, it's just right. it takes one little thing. And now every every day he's like, Daddy, when can we go fishing? When can we go fishing? He was four years old. Caught caught yeah. almost eight pound walleye. I've been fishing exactly. for walleye for God, five, six years now. And I, I've only caught two bigger than that. I've caught hundreds. So it, it's it's pretty right. cool to be able to pass that on to them. And that's why I'm asking you, because I want to know when it's appropriate, I guess, to to get him out on the surf with me there. So Yeah, I mean it all depends on your child. My child, I had two girls. And they're very content that, you know, I don't have to worry about them running away. I know some boys are crazy and they're going to run and you got to chase them. I never had that situation. So it worked out well for me. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, and my daughter, she was with the camera, always taking pictures and videos and stuff. So it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my middle daughter likes to fish with me. I think it's more or less because she just likes to have that time with me. My older daughter's kind of like, she'll do it from time to time, but my middle daughter's into it. My son is really into it. That's all I can ask for. I mean, I can't force it on them, but I, I really, I really right. do enjoy when they, when they take some, take some interest in it for sure. I mean, it's a lot better than them picking up an iPad. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right. We're going to take a, we're going to take a quick minute here and uh, we're just going to, we're going to talk about how me and you first met, Chris. Do you remember how we first met? I think it was, I had a uh, car problems. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You had a, you had a little leaking car problem. Your car was leaking, and then like I just saw it on you know it was in one of the groups, and then I was just like, hey, I'm already down here fishing. You want to stop by, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll pause my fish and put my rod down. I'll take a peek at it. You know, yeah. see if yeah, there's anything. I, yeah, yeah, if I can take it, anything I can help you with, you know, I can help you with and take a peek. And then uh, then we had our first boat trip together. I think it was just last year. Yeah, last yeah. fall. Yeah. yeah, last fall. Yeah, literally, you just had an open invite, and then I I replied, and you said, "Come on down." You know, no questions asked. We had yeah. we had a really good day that day too. That was a good day too. Yeah, that was a, lot a good, of good day. days on a rock for Smarty. Yeah, definitely <laughs> a lot of good days, man. I mean, that day for me was pretty epic. You know, rolling around, yeah. caught a few fish, and then literally we walked in like you literally just rolled on top of the mother load. Like they were just like rolling all around the boat. We didn't have to move. We were thrown top water spooks i you know i i put the my pb on the boat that day it was like 47 inches it was it yes. was good fish it was a fantastic day dude i i mean I, like i said i i got i i'm gonna thank you for that it was a great day i enjoyed every minute of it you're welcome anytime cool all right all right so now um now we're gonna get into the, the good stuff now we're gonna talk about the type of trips you're gonna be running in the spring fall um, yeah, let's, let's start with spring, summer and fall since spring's coming up now. Um, where is your boat going to be and, uh, what, what are we focusing on? All right. Spring, my boat is in the Raritan, up in the Raritan Bay in Kingsburg called, uh, Comfort Point Marina. So if anyone knows where the floodgates are in Kingsburg, it's in that marina there. So it's perfectly located for the Raritan Bay by, uh, targeting striped bass all of April and all of May. 
and uh, yeah, you're five minutes to the fishing grounds. We're going to be fishing. I, I love plugging fish. So that's my main thing I will be doing. Uh, I will get some bunker for live lining for just in case. Um, I I'll try not to troll almost never. I can't stand it. So, but I rather have guys learn how to, you know, throw big plugs, metal lips, uh, you know, learn a few other different tactics with uh, jigs. I've uh, been th- throwing these big spoons. Uh, it's a freshwater spoon um, that's been very productive the past two springs. And uh, and then live line and bunker, you know. And then uh, once the f- summer comes, I live in Tom's River, so and I live on the water in the Barnegat Bay, so my boat will go back there in June. And uh, I'll be running some fluke trips. Uh, I'm probably going to take it easy in the summer. Uh, definitely some sea bass. And then uh, once the fall comes, we'll be chasing the bass again and definitely blackfish. One of my favorite, all on jigs and light tackle blackfishing. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll be picking people up probably in Point Pleasant area. So you don't have to drive all the way back to my house, pick you up in Point Pleasant and we'll shoot right out the inlet and we'd be fishing in 20 minutes, half hour. Very nice. Very nice. Um what what species do you really prefer to make trips for? Like, just say, top three, top three species you like, you like, you love to run trips for. Uh, definitely striped bass, number one. Uh, been doing it all my life. Number two, blackfish. Now, back in the day when I blackfished, everything was eleven ounce sinkers with a crab. I was never really good at it, and uh, but once this uh, these jigs came out and the crabs with the light tackle, it made everybody uh, blackfish heroes. Including yourself, I'm not gonna not gonna lie. It is amazing catching them on light jigs. Yeah. And uh, sea bass is fun. Uh, I miss the bluefish. I love catching bluefish. They're fun. Uh, they've been scarce the two past two years. It seems like they're not coming in shore. But uh, hopefully this year it'll make a showing. Do you have any theory why we haven't seen them since twenty what twenty seventeen? I think was the last really good run we had. Yeah, the bay used to get them like. Like you couldn't get away from them back in the, you know, a few years ago. It was a nuisance with the blue, with the bluefish when you're trying to bass fish. Mm-hmm. I think you're just staying offshore. I think there's plenty of bait out there and um, that there's no reason for them to come in. That's what I think. Okay. I mean, since we're on the subject, I, what about the bass fishery? Do you really think we're that, that in the decline? Or do you just think that like, like my theory was they're, they're, they're offshore, more further deeper offshore, you know, past three mile line, which which is great because no one can reach them and that they just don't come in. I mean, the baits here, they just don't feel like coming in. What do you think? I think. Yeah, true. Um, here's a good example. This past fall, we're on a three mile line jigging bass on sand deals and there's pods and pods of bunker right off the beach with a without a bass in them. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh do they prefer sand deals over bunker? I don't know. Uh, but I think uh, a little bit of, there's a few things. Uh, beach replenishment's definitely hurting the ecosystem along the shoreline. Those bass probably don't want to come come in if they don't have to. Uh, and I think the mig- migration route uh, of killing all these fish the past 10, 15 years, those fish, they're not here. They're just, they're not here to catch anymore. Cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I remember running up there a couple of times this fall and I remember reaching out to you and a couple other captains. And then you guys said, I mean, the fish, there's fish. You guys got to work for them. You know what I mean? They're not like literally just drop anywhere and there's fish They're They're there. And then, then we got tuna guys out there that that'll just, you know, they'll call and they're just like, yo, we got miles and miles of bass out here, but you can't reach, you can't fish them. So, so, I mean, in a way, I think the bass have gotten a little bit smarter. And they've moved out. So they know where the line is and they've moved outside there and just kind of make their way where they need to go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They had they had bass this past fall 10 miles out at the Manasquan Ridge for a week, week or two. Amazing. Yeah. Great. And then you look at the gray fish tag research that uh, Jim Hutchinson and Chuck Manny and them guys are doing. These fish are out in the canyon. They have them. It's amazing. I would have never thought in a million years striped bass would run out to the canyon. I mean, you figure if they're coming from like Block Island and stuff, I mean, it's not that far for them. They just literally just stay out there. Don't, they don't even have to run the shoreline, you know, and there, yeah. there's always miles and miles of bunker out there. We've seen miles and miles of bunker just all the way out there. So why yeah. come in when they don't have to? Um, yeah. I mean, do you fish the back much? The back bay? Um, I'm, I mean, I'm besides, a river. 
besides rare so, besides raritan i mean do you fish like the back of you know like your house area tom's river stuff like that yeah i'll do that early spring uh i'll fish the back of the tom's river you know around bridges and stuff like that uh small shads but you're never really catching big fish mostly you know under under keeper size okay uh fish but it's fun something to do yeah and uh but I'm mostly, since I joined like Asbury back in the day, I'm a river rat by heart. I love fishing the Navasink Shrewsbury in April and May and uh, the Raritan Bay Shore. But back in the day, you go up there and all you would see is your club guys. You wouldn't see 30, 40 guys and can't get a parking spot. So yeah. it definitely changed. It's not the same. But uh, of late, I heard the flats in Raritan Bay have been pretty good, though. The flats? Yeah, I'm... Yeah, I've heard they there. It just start it's starting to pick up now. So I mean, it's good. It's good. Um, so from here, we're gonna go a little deeper into the raritan fishery since uh, that's where your boat and your charter is gonna run. Um, let's mm-hmm. let's focus on it first as a surf caster because we know you've been a surf caster for many many years, and then we'll we'll, we'll work into the, uh, the boat tactics. Um, discuss a little bit about you know, great good tides, temperatures, baits, lures, time of day, stuff like that. You know, whatever, I and mean, whatever, yeah. what kind of, whatever kind of slow secrets you want to help these new anglers, you know, out a little bit. You know, I mean, there's years of knowledge up there. You know, it's good to help out the younger generation nowadays. I'll try to give a couple of tips, but I know some of the uh, local, yeah, local guys might give me some. Uh, I might be getting a phone call later, but we'll see what we can do. <laughs> um, but back in the day, I we didn't plug fish uh, much in the early 2000s, late 90s. Uh, it was most, believe it or not, it was a big clam fishery back then even on the boats and the surf we would go there with a bushel buy a bushel of clams and uh and clam fish and obviously the best time to clam fish would be a nor'easter or a north wind blowing those making some white water in your face to stir everything up and uh, we had some phenomenal nights where uh we would just fish go through a bushel of clams in a, in a tide it's amazing and um i'm probably 90 percent surf fishing the bay shore at night uh the, the bay shore the whole coastline of the bay shore is shallow it's all flats mud flats uh they're shallow they warm up quick the fish get on them and they don't like to be on them in the daylight because it's shallow water they'd rather be in the 18 20 feet of water in the middle of the bay and then at night when those bunkers or whatever come up or even worms they'll come and root in those muds flats and that's why i rather fish at night and uh, my favorite tide, and the high tide is very good. Like the last of the incoming and top of the outgoing is very good. But on certain winds, if it's blowing pretty good out of the northeast, believe it or not, and the, the wind is holding the water in the bay, I like the bottom of the end. Uh, people are like, oh, you, there's not no water. But when you have a northeast wind holding the bay, bay water in, there's enough water, you know, so that low tide churns up the water good and uh, – we do really well there when people might be sitting home and the, the worst weather is usually the best <laughs> for striper fishermen. We all know that. That sounds about right. And then, uh, then I started plugging, uh, going out at night, throwing, you know, the SP middles and the mag daughters. And then, uh, you know, if you see bunker at night or getting stuck in your line, uh, you know, big metal lips will work also nice and slow across the top. And, uh, I'm also a big chunker. I do it. I'll try anything, whatever works, you know, and, uh, but I love chunk and bunker too. I'll catch all my bunker fresh. Uh, there's a few spots in the back rivers where you have to go and catch your own. So if you're coming down, give yourself an extra hour just to find some bait. And, uh, so you have fresh bunker every night. I'll never buy frozen bunker and I'll never put it in a bag and save it for tomorrow. Never, ever always fresh. If I can't get fresh, I'll leave the fish plugs or I won't fish. Well, that's that's really good advice right there, guys. Remember, Captain Chris said, "Fresh bunker or fish plugs. That's it. Nothing frozen. Never." Hey, Chris. Now, would you say like you enjoy how the uh, how how your fishing for striped bass has evolved from like the '90s to the tw- to the tens to now? Do you like fishing for them more? Is it more enjoyable to do the plugs and everything now more so than it was in the past when you weren't doing them? Um. I'd say, you know, it's a little bit of, you know, how you get tired of doing one thing. Let's try something else. Like right. I'll never, I love chunking. There's nothing like, and when I chunk, I'm not like sticking my rod in a rod holder and waiting for it to bend over. I hold my rod constantly. I'm always using a conventional. I love, 
you know, you could almost sense when these bass are swimming around your lure. They'll, they'll nudge that bunker chunk around. You can move it a little bit with your uh, with your line, move it a little bit and make them pick it up. So it's almost like working a lure, but you're fishing a bait and not like picking it up. Nice. All right, cool. So, um, all right, say so just me and Dan booked a trip with you. Just say next week. So describe to us usually what's a typical day on the Rockfish Smarty. Like like hour-wise, like what time we meet you at the dock and as soon as we pull off the dock, kind of what's 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 our agenda? What are, what are you looking for? What are we looking to do that day for for a, a trip in the morning? So what we're going to do is uh, all my trips during the week uh, unfortunately have to be in the afternoon because of uh, my real job. I work till one o'clock. So during the week, I'll be doing afternoon trips like two o'clock on. I'm not going to set a time saying a five hour trip. Let's be back at seven. If the bike gets good at seven o'clock, we're going to stay there till dark if we have to and catch fish. Um, but we'll come out. Uh, first thing we'll do is go look for some bunker, net bunker. I throw a 10 foot Percy net. Uh, we'll miss some bunker, put them in a live well, and go on our search and destroy mission. Go looking for, I'd love to see if we can find bats on top, uh, but we'll mark them and uh, we'll throw a live bunker out. I like throwing bunker out without a weight so the bass come up and eat it. And uh, a lot of times I'll, I'll throw a bunker out. If I can get a bass to come up and swirl on it, I'll have another guy, one of you guys, with a plug and almost do like a bait switch kind of thing like you do offshore fishing and pull that bunker away from him and throw a plug in front of him there. And a lot of times I'll get that strike and it's very exciting. That does sound, that's, that's kind of like how they, um, they trick big straight bass into hitting flies. Like they have, they'll, they'll rip all the hooks off of like a dock spook, you know, get the bass to follow dock spook near the boat. And then the, the, the then they'll literally switch it out, flat cast the fly right into it and right into their mouth, literally. Yeah. I did that a few times with actually, um, Shelly Karras and uh, Jerry Fabiano at Island Beach for bluefish. Uh, it was a little bit of wind, so they couldn't cast far, and the bluefish were out. And I would uh, tease all the bluefish in, and when I get them close, they would throw their flies and hook up to, like, 15-pound bluefish on a fly. Oh, so man. I would love to get some fly guys on my charter, you know, to get them on a big big bass. Well, uh, you're, you're talking to a fly guy here, so next time I'm ever on your boat, you know, I'm bringing my fly rod then. Definitely, yeah. I'm not a fly guy. I can't do it. But uh, I can get you where the fish are. That's for sure. Oh, that's that that that, that just gets me more excited, <laughs> man. I'm just I'm like, I just I, this year for some reason I'm just really focused on flies. You know, I just I got a I just got a polling platform on my skiff, and I'm literally just gonna be polling around fly fishing the back bays for striped bass. So nice. You right. just hit on Quaz trigger word there with the flies there. That that's something he's been talking about for months. He's like, I got to get a big bass on flies. So you yeah. just like you just got. He's over there like licking his lips right now. Oh Most yeah, we can do man. it. All right, that's dude. I, I don't know what I I'd have to probably treat treat you to steak and dinner. Steak steak. That's and, all right. A nice steak after that for give me a big bass on a fly. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, uh, yeah, I have I have no time limit on my trips unless like on a Saturday or Sunday I have back to back trips and I have to be back at the dock. But during the week, normally I'm not going to put a time limit on our trips. See, guys, that's 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 what you're talking about—a dedicated fisherman or a charter captain that all he cares about is the the satisfaction and the happiness of his clients. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. A lot of charters, they put time limits four or five hours, you know, that's, that's pretty much, you know, the, and then they'll, they'll be called a day. But like, look, if he says that the bite's on, he likes staying on the bite. He likes enjoying people catching fish. That's can't complain. How, how there's nothing to complain about that. The captain wants to stay out there 10 hours worth of fish. And he says, okay, let's do it. That's it. Yeah. So, so, um, in the future, I mean, I know we still got a few years, you know, since you're just running charters now. Do you ever thought about focusing on more exotic species, you know, like maybe tuna trips, mahi, albies, or even cobia? Uh, definitely, uh, I like to get into the offshore thing. Uh, I have a 24-foot T-Hunt Center console right now with one 250 on it, so I'm a little eerie about going out, uh, you know, 60, 70 miles for mm -hmm. tuna. Um, but, uh, I do the Albies when the Albies come in, they've been scarce the past two falls also, but the one fall when we had them in, it was phenomenal. It was game on. It was like 
you know, National Geographic stuff out there with the Albies. I love catching them. Yeah, that's definitely on my list too. Albies on the fly. <laughs> yes. Everything on the fly. Everything on the fly for me this year, man. Everything's on the fly. Hey, look, we can get it done. Look, we, we caught talk on the fly last season. Wow. So, that's yeah, awesome. we, we we caught talk on the fly. It was like off the jetty. I think it was like it was like seven, eight feet of water. We literally, yeah, we literally put on a crab fly, soaked it in a uh, uh we literally crushed up a bunch of uh, green crabs in the juices and we soaked our crab fly on there and literally just threw it overboard right. and threw the line over line and just literally shook it on a sinking line and once it hit the bottom, dude. <laughs> those those little uh those little 18 19 inch tog felt like monsters on a fly rod it was, in, it well, was i can imagine yeah they pull yeah. Cool. Uh, all right so um now how often do you get out and fish for yourself um i normally fish all the time by myself but now that i'm running charters it's gonna be a little different but uh you know it's for the good i love it um i try to fish springtime like april may is prime time i'm out if I can fish every day, I'm fishing every day and, uh, or at night rather. So, and, uh, yeah, a lot. And then I'll make my trips in, the in June, July, I'm heading to Cape Cod or I'm heading to Rhode Island, uh, you know, striper fishing, following them up there. And, uh, and, uh, this past fall, my buddy's been going to Virginia. So I might start doing that too. In, uh, November, December, like right after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier that uh, you, your daughters are into fishing. Is your wife into fishing? My wife used to go with me a lot when we were dating. Uh, I don't know if it was a thing because we were dating, like to make her seem like a cool girlfriend at the time. But uh, she'll go if it has to be an absolutely pristine day to get her out there. If it's, uh, you know, we, we need like 75 degree days and no wind and I can get her out. But besides that, she's not going. <laughs> yeah it's tough i try to get my my wife to come out sometimes and like you said it's got to be pretty much this pristine day you know I mean, she'll she'll love going on boat rides though i'll take she'll go oh, on boat yeah. rides all day for fun yeah so, boat ride with a drink she's happy yep that's, that's <laughs> identical to my wife same way i'm pretty sure the last time i fished with my wife was on our one year dating anniversary we went fishing and we've been together for 11 years this year so yeah it's been about 10 years <laughs> yeah and uh my wife's understand I'm married 21 years uh, coming in November, 22 in November. So she's sticking around. So I'm doing something right, even though I fish a lot. <laughs> you know what? That's 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 the big thing, too. Now, it's, it's like a big shout out to all our wives for putting up what we go through, man. And sure. you know, when the season kicks in, you know, on our head, it's all about fish, 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 boats, boats, fish, fish. And that's that's all we talk about, you know, like. It's, you know, I, we, we appreciate that they are very understanding for us. Yes. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to do a, an episode, what it's like to be a, a, a wife of a fisherman. So that'll be coming up at some point. You'll hear that one. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you done any destination trips or trips that you would love to plan in the future? Um, yeah, I'd like to go to Cabo. Um, so in the past, since 2012, Every other year, I would go to Mexico for rooster fish off the surf uh, in this little town called Mato. And uh, back in the day, it was um, invitation only kind of thing, very hush hush, uh, four guys a week uh, on ATVs. And I got, I was fortunate enough to get an invite, and it was amazing. We were catching eight to 15 roosters a day, every day. Wow. And uh, so, nothing gigantic for me, maybe 30 pounds, 35 pounds, but. Um, that's definitely an amazing fish. And, uh, but lately, um, I heard it's not as good as it used to be, but, uh, I heard Cabo has been good. So I'm looking to make a trip out there and I, my dream trips, uh, Costa Rica to go out there too. That would be your dream destination trip, like a, a rooster fish trip out to, uh, Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Yeah. If I can get roosters there or even do a, you know, inshore or offshore for Marlin or something. never caught a Marlin. I caught tuna before, but, Never blue marlin or sailfish, so that would be amazing. How about tarpon? You ever done tarpon? I did tarpon down in uh, the Keys with uh, Eric Kerber when he was running tra- trips down there. We took the skiff out. Um, we jumped a few. I never landed one, but uh, we were trying different things like uh, throwing bucktails and jigs and daughters, stuff we would do up here for striped bass. We did down there. And uh, they would eat it, but we couldn't land them. But it was fun. Definitely awesome. 
that's I mean tarpon still on my list. I mean as a kid we fished for them off Sebastian Inlet, not for them specifically, but like redfish and snooks and they would occasionally take our take our little flare hawks and they would literally spool us and we'd literally have to go home because we ain't bring no extra spools. Yeah. I did catch a couple of snook at Sebastian uh, a few years ago. Yeah. Place that, is amazing. Yeah, that, amazing that, that fishery is a that fishery is a um, pretty amazing. Like that was my backwaters there. So literally I grew up wow. fishing Sebastian. So nice. Chris, is there any uh, saltwater fish that you haven't caught that are on your your list so far outside of the marlin? Um, you know what? I'm not picky. I, I'm just happy to catch any fish. Uh, it could be ten inches. It could be a hundred pounds. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not, the only thing I did see when I was rooster fishing. I had a few uh, big Cubera snappers come up and follow my metal lips, and I never hooked one. And I would love to hook one of those one day. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I heard there's things that massive power. Those Cuberas. Yes. I mean, you think about it, these fish literally just sit in the rocks and they just hang out. And then like you got plugs and stuff full of whizzing by them. And like they're the, the, how broad and mass they are, but they can move so fast and grab these plugs, just like gag groupers. You know, they look all big and sluggish and slow, but you rip a plug right through the reefs, you know, and they, they come out of these holes like a slingshot and they'll literally rip the rods out of your hand. Yeah. Those giant Goliath groupers are amazing too, but I don't know if I want to deal with, fighting one of those things no no at at our age between me you and dan nah one of us would throw our back out we try to freaking bring up a goliath i just threw my back out thinking about it (laughs) i'll be okay with like a juvenile now give me like a like a 60 70 pounder you know i don't need one of those 400 pounders right um so um what are your future goals for the rockfish smarty um, future goals, hopefully, well, my trips, I'm definitely going to practice catch and release. I never keep a striped bass anymore. I know they're in trouble. Um, and we love them. I want my kids when they grow up and their kids to catch them. So, uh, I mean, I know a charter they're paying money. If they want to keep a fish that's in legal limits, I'll, you know, let them keep it, but I'll definitely try to encourage them not to, uh, and explain to them why. Uh, you know, a lot of these new fishermen don't understand why. So we have to do, um, you know, let them know what's going on with the striped bass fishery and, uh, the reason why I let them go. And, uh, hopefully in the future, uh, bigger boat, bigger boat, um, offshore fishing, you know, and, uh, that's it. Um, how's your availability look? How's your availability looking like now for spring? I know when we talked a little bit earlier, you said that you know it's picking up. You literally this weekend you're sold out. You know you got no more trips. Um, yeah. What, what are you What are you looking? Yeah, yesterday's trip uh, definitely helped uh, get a book a few more trips. And now that they know those big bass are definitely here, uh, I'm booked this weekend. Um, during the week I'm open, uh, I'm going to run open boat tricks. If, if you get one, if I get one guy, I'll take them fishing, uh, two guys, I'll take them fishing, uh, during the week. I got like seven or eight de- definites for the month of April. Uh, May is, you know, open right now, but just starting. So I actually got one guy from California willing to fly down for a, a few days to fish with me. I just got that message yesterday. Oh, that's so, that'd be pretty cool. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty dope um it's uh yeah looks like we pretty much wrapped a lot of the uh questions dan do you have anything to uh anything? yeah i got a couple things chris uh now me for example i i bounce around all over the place i go from freshwater to saltwater sometimes in the same day um do you have any do you, now obviously you seem like the typical um salty guy like you've been fishing the salt saltwater for years do you ever jump into the freshwater scene for, and what kind of fish do you target when you do? Yeah. The only freshwater I really did uh, was never here, but my in-laws live in Florida and they live on a nice golf course down in Delray. So uh, ah. it's pretty cool. The largemouth bass fish down there that people really don't fish. And uh, every now and then you'll get a nice um, peacock bass uh, in there too. So that's a lot of fun. And I'm throwing, I, I love throwing hard baits. I don't know why I'm not a big worm guy. And, uh, I don't know much about freshwater fishing, but I know the, those fish down there, the faster you rip it, the faster they're, they're chasing it and eating it and nice fish, five pound, large mouth, yeah. the peacock are, you know, two pounders, but 
but that's my extent on uh, freshwater fishing. So I, so I read you pretty well that you're, you're a salt guy through and through. Yeah, pretty much. Nothing wrong with that. I, yeah. I prefer salt, but I, I, you know, in the, in the, the seasons where it's a little bit lighter, I fall back to the freshwater stuff. So I'm always busy. Yeah. I'm always busy on something. So now you yeah. had mentioned, um, you just briefly mentioned how the striped bass fishery is in trouble and you want to pr- protect them as much as you can. What is your opinion? The regulations, do you feel they're enough? Do you feel like they need to be more strict? I mean, a lot of the guys that I talk to, they're old time surf casters that actually care for the fishery have brought up the consideration that they would welcome a moratorium to come back. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't know about a moratorium. I think there's too many people out there that want to go fish and take a fish home to eat here and there. Uh, I think it like, I think it's one fit. What is it? One fish now, 28 to 37 and whatever right. it is yeah, just on the 38. I think that's fine. You just cut, cut it in half with people taking fish home instead of two fish over 28. Um, I'm, I, I'm not sure about that slot if I'm happy with it. Uh, cause those are prime spawning fish at right. the, those inches, the bigger fish. Yeah. They spawn too, but they're not spawning every year. Those 50 pounders. So yeah. By letting them go is, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but. Yeah, we've touched um, on that. I don't mind there. keeping a fish here and there. We've touched on that in the past. Like, while it's great that we have the slot in place, you know, to protect the larger breeders, now we're focused on the prime breeders that are going to be breeding for the next span of years to come. So, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not educated enough to know if that's a good, happy medium or not. You know, I don't know yeah. if that's if that's shooting ourselves in the foot down the road, like if we're going to have all 20 inch fish and 50 inch fish and nothing in between. Right. The only uh, thing I could add is those slot fish that we have, half of them might be males because males don't grow over, they say 16 pounds or whatever. So there's a good chance you're taking a male and not a female. When once you get over that 20 pound class fish, they're all females. Right. So so that's a good thing. Yeah. So you have a chance of it at least of taking a male fish. Same thing with like the fluke, like 18 inches. Those are almost all female fish. Whereas yeah. some, of, some of our fisheries down, some of our states down South, they're cut off. Like you can keep a 16 and a half inch fish where from what I've read, I don't know how thorough this uh, science is, you know, an 18 inch fish is usually 85, 80 to 85% female. Whereas once you go down to the 16 and a half inch uh, fish, you have about a 60% chance of that being uh, a, a, fe- a female. So you got a better chance of taking a male in that scenario, which protects the fishery. For, for, my, for my, for my, for uh, my standards, any fish that I keep for my family, and I, I'm very selective about what I do. I always like to keep the smaller end of the, you know, the, the size limits just because I don't need that much. Like one, one 18 inch, fl- 18 inch flounder feeds my whole family, you know, so I don't need more mm-hmm. than that. I don't eat fish, believe it or not. So I quarter one of those fish and, and my, my family's taken care of. I have three kids and a wife. So right. uh, I, I think, um, I think it's, I used to be the guy that I would try to go out and get my limit. And, you know, my, as I've grown and as I've educated myself, I've kind of decided that it's probably not the best way to go. Like one fish is good enough for a meal. I don't need more than that, you know? Yeah. But I, I do think that there there should be some protections in place for these smaller fish. I just don't know how we do it. You know what I mean? Like these smaller breeding fish. Yeah. I think you just got to tell everybody to let them go. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I I personally from from and I've I've mentioned this on our on our show before. I personally I don't target them as much as I used to. And I didn't target them a lot, but I used to run the beach every fall by myself for for weeks and weeks and weeks. Now I feel like if, if I'm really going to talk about, you know, the conservation part of it, me putting pressure on them is just another avenue where they're getting, you know, another angle where they're getting people coming at them. I, I just kind of tend to, to lay off them a little bit and go towards other things. Now, is that, is that really helping? I don't know. I'm one person, but if everybody has a right. mindset that we're, you know, we're taking care of these fisheries, then it's really just about educating the next class of anglers. And that's what I'm trying to do with my kids. I'm sure you're doing it with your children. You know, it's, it's huge to be able to talk to them about, you know, conservation. Like my son, yeah. that walleye I told you about, for example, he said, dad, I want to go catch a fish that we can bring home to eat. Well, that fish was a, a female that was full of eggs. So when I told him about it, I, I said, you know, 
we can take this fish, we're potentially taking hundreds to thousands of other fish out of this ecosystem. He said, dad, I don't want to do that. I want to let it go and let it have its, make its babies and we can keep catching them four years old. So it's working, you know, it's just, we gotta be, we gotta be better about educating the next class of anglers. And it just starts with us parents and then it branches out from there. Yeah. That's all. That's all I got, man. You, you've been great. Like you've, you've given us Thank a lot you. of great information and, and then I think Quad's going to jump in and have you wrap up here and give all your, uh, your contact info so we can get some people on board with you. Yeah, that most definitely. So, you know, we're going to be wrapping up here. So just please let our listeners know where they can find you at, how to book a trip, uh, social medias, or any, or, or even if a website, you have one already set up. Just let, let the listeners know if they wanted a fun filled trip with you out. Where, where can they find you? Um, so yeah, I didn't set up a website yet. I'm working on it. Um, but you can find me at, on Facebook under Chris Buckta or, um, yeah, I'm on, or yeah, Chris Buckta. You can message me on Facebook, Instagram, Rockfish Smarty or Rockfish Smarty Charters on Instagram. Uh, send me messages. Uh, my phone number is up there. Uh, I'm at a Point Comfort Marina in Kingsburg, New Jersey. Or you can text me or call me, uh, 908-591-7761. Uh, I'm up most of the time, so call me anytime. <laughs> Sounds good. But if you guys you know, didn't catch that, um, we're definitely going to have his links and his contacts in our, our, in our box in the comments right below this. So if you need to reach out to him and you can't find him, reach out to one of us, reach out to our podcast. We'll definitely direct you guys right to him You know, so you guys get a nice – remember – Fish aren't here long. You're going to get about another month, maybe a month, month and a half, and they're going to start moving. So if you want to get in on this really good bite now, please make sure you guys hit up Captain Chris. Um, me and Dan's going to stay on for a couple more minutes, wrap this up. But um, once again, Captain, we'd like we'd like to thank you for coming on board with us today, uh, sharing the little infos you have. And um, we appreciate good captains like you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Chris, thank you. Pleasure talking to you. I haven't had a chance to meet you in person, but I, I followed along. Uh, you're a great fisherman. We we are thrilled to have you as part of our uh, podcast and, and and get your message out to our people. So thank you for jumping on board with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Daniel. You got it, brother. All right. Besides that, have a great night, Captain. Um, I guess that's a wrap. Sounds good. All right. We'll, ta- we'll talk to you later. Let's see. I mean, Dan's going to stay on for a couple minutes. and uh, But besides that, have a great night. Rest All right, that, you too, man. Rest that, yeah, take those meds. Rest that hand, man. All right. Good night, man. Yeah. Thanks, All right. Chris. All right. Looks like we finished another one, buddy. Yeah, man. How do you think that one went? What do you think? That, that was killer. That was killer. Yeah, I, I, I love Chris, man. I've, I've only known him for a few years, but he, he's an incredible man, incredible captain. The one time I've been out with him, like his, like his passion and his the way he carries himself, like he wants people on his boat to be happy. He wants yeah. them to catch fish and he'll put the work in, you know, if it takes him all day to find fish, he will. And that's exactly like the type of charter captain you want to find one that's dedicated to making sure your trip as, as good as possible. Not every day is a banner bass, you know, banner charter, but you know, as long as the captain puts his effort in and you, know, you could tell that he has a passion to try to help you guys to have a great day, then that that's all worth it in my books. For sure. You, you know, you, you've, we've all been on those boats where the captain, you know, he's looking at his watch, just kind of seeing like the the time, like, okay, I got like, I got an hour left. I got, and he starts, you see him start packing this stuff up on the boat before he's heading in. And Chris ain't like that, man. He's, he's more passionate about making sure his, his, uh, his guests are having the time that they're, that they're, uh, they're hoping for. And that, that's, that's all we want, man. That when you go on these boats, you're paying good money to, to, to get some knowledge, number one, and, and get put on the fish. And that's all Chris is about. He's not, he's not about all the other stuff. It's not about money for him. It's about the passion. And that's why we're doing this. So we all, we all are in agreement that that's huge, man. It's going to be fun to watch how he grows into that business and how, how people follow him because I, that, that message that he's putting out there is, is going to resonate. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to have, you know, the, the ability to keep fish, to have people on board. I know I don't need to keep fish and I would book with Chris just because of the way he is, how passionate he is. Yeah. I told, I mean, I totally agree with you. You know, that's, I'm, I'm going to enjoy watching his charter grow and he's going to do a fantastic job. Oh, so. for sure. For sure. There's, there's people, I mean, he's, he's, he's a seasoned angler who just decided it was time to, to take it up a notch and challenge himself by putting other people in fish. 
you know, a lot of us could sit back and just be comfortable with what we do every day. And, and, and that's it for us. But, you know, the rest of us, you know, these people, we want to pass it on to the next generation, whether it be our kids, our friends, and, you know, young anglers. I mean, I get messages from guys asking me for help all the time. I used to look at that as a negative thing, but now I'm like, I'm going to be 40 years old. You know, it's not, it's not about me anymore. It's about making sure I'm helping set up the fisheries and, you know, these other anglers to make sure that they're, they're taking care of the fisheries for the next generation after them and so on. You know, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot about putting out the right message to the right people. And if you don't start off with that, you know, they're, they're, they're going to get bad information from other people. You just got to give them the right information. Yeah. I totally feel with you. Everything you said, I'm right on that. Um, so you think we're good for a wrap? Oh, I think so. All right, cool. So um, let me see. Well, there you have it, folks. Looks like we wrapped up another awesome episode for you guys. Once again, if you, we'd like to thank Captain Chris of Rockfish Smarty Charters for sitting down with us this evening. Now, if you're looking for a fun-filled day with a great charter captain, uh, please make sure you look him up, Rockfish Smart. We're gonna we're gonna add his links down below to make sure you guys can reach him if you have any problems reaching him. Uh, please make sure you reach out to us. We'll make sure you get connected to him. Just let him know that we, you that you did hear his podcast and then that you get mentioned it from us. As always, please make sure you like, subscribe, share, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform, and keep your eye on our Instagram and Facebook for future guest announcements. Besides that, have a great night, folks. Keep those lines tight. Good night, Dan, and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, everybody. Qua, pleasure as always. Thank, just, just continue to tune in. We're getting better at this every week, and we're our, we have lots of great guests, you know, lined up after uh, Chris here. We have a lot of a lot of exciting stuff coming down the pipeline. So now's the time to jump in and follow along, and promise you'll be worth your while. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at Ooh. that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. to go like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chase in the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.